We're starting a new series called The Bible's Dynamic Duos, People Who Team Up and Demonstrate Dynamic Faith. You know, our culture, when we think of dynamic duos, we have all sorts of duos, maybe more or less dynamic, if you will, but we do seem to like it when people team up together for whatever purpose. To me, the original dynamic duo um, is Batman and Robin. Uh, You can go ahead and put that slide up there for that. Um, We were having some debate in the tech booth before the first service whether this is the original dynamic duo. You know, they were pointing out, well, the Lone Ranger and Tonto were before Batman and Robin. But I said, well, yeah, but they were never called the dynamic duo. Batman and Robin were called the dynamic duo. Those are the kind of spiritual conversations we have before church on Sunday morning. (laughs) Anyway, um, and so to me, that's the original dynamic duo. But on the next slide, you'll see that there are dynamic duos who keep getting remade, uh, whether it's Spock and uh, Captain Kirk, or I don't know if you're aware that um, Jughead and Archie have been remade in a series called Riverdale. Uh, just a warning, it's not your father's Riverdale. Uh, but it, they have been re- remade. Um, on the next slide, you have all sorts of duos that kids are familiar with. Whether you go from the classic uh, Bert and Ernie or Charlie Brown and Snoopy to, you know, one of my favorites, SpongeBob and Patrick. Um, there are lots of d- duos in TV and movies, whether, and that's on the next slide. And whether you want to go way back uh, to Laurel and Hardy, that is going way back, to even d- duos like Frodo and and Sam from The Hobbit. Um, You have sports dynamic duos, and that's the next slide, where you have some of the greatest uh, dynamic duos from sports. Wait, that's the wrong slide. Um, No, we want the greatest dynamic duos from sports all time. Can you fix that? Can you get the right slide up there, please? There we go, the greatest (laughs) dynamic duos from all time. Thank you for the applause, appreciate that. But hey, the Bible has dynamic duos as well. And typically when we think of the word dynamic, uh, synonyms that we think of are words like energetic and vibrant. But the word dynamic actually comes from a Greek word called dunamis, which means power. It's best translated power. And interestingly enough, the word dunamis occurs in the New Testament um, 120 times. And so dynamic duos in the Bible, they have power. They do amazing things because of their faith. And this series, we just want to ask, um, what are the characteristics that make dynamic duos in the Bible dynamic? Whether it's uh, fierce faith or loyalty or passing the torch or teamwork, whatever. What characteristics make dynamic duos dynamic? And again, and we're looking at duos, not just individuals who have dynamic faith, but Um, common people with dynamic faith who live out that faith together. As Proverbs 27 says, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. We've asked Logan Lee to read the scripture for this morning. So Logan, if you can make your way on up. As he does, I'm going to ask you to please stand and if you're able and face the center of the room. And we read from the center of the room as a reminder to us where scripture is to be in our lives, both as individuals and as a community of faith, it is to be central. And so, Logan, whenever you're ready, please read from Acts chapter 14. In Lystra, there sat a man who was lame. He had been that way from birth and had never walked. He listened to Paul as he was speaking. Paul looked directly at him, saw that he had the faith to be healed, and called out, stand up on your feet. At that, the man jumped up and began to walk. When the crowd saw that Paul had done, what Paul had done, they shouted in the Lyconian language, The gods have come down to us in human form. Barnabas they called Zeus, and Paul they called Hermes, because he was the chief speaker. 
the priest of Zeus, whose temple was just outside the city, brought bulls and wreaths to the city gates because he, he and the crowd wanted to offer sacrifices to them. But when the apostles, Barnabas and Paul, heard of this, they tore their clothes and rushed out into the crowd, shouting, Friends, why are you doing this? We too are only humans like you. We are bringing you good news, telling you to turn from these worthless things to the living God, who has made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. In the past, he let all nations go their own way. Yet he has not left himself without testimony. He has shown kindness by giving you rain from heaven and crops in their seasons. He provides you with plenty of food and fills your hearts with joy. Even with these words, they had difficulty keeping the crowd from sacrificing to them. Then some Jews came from Antioch and Iconium and won the crowd over. They stoned Paul and dragged him outside the city, thinking he was dead. But after the disciples had gathered around him, he got up and went back into the city. The next day, he and Barnabas left for Derby. They preached the gospel in that city and won a large number of disciples. Then they returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch. Logan, thank you very much. You may be seated. Again, this morning we're looking at Paul and Barnabas and their fierce faith. And I just want to start by giving some quick background to both of these guys. Paul is much better known than Barnabas. Uh, he's one of the most influential and well-known people from the New Testament. Uh, you could argue after Jesus, Paul is the best-known character from the New Testament. Uh, most of the book of Acts follows uh, follow his journeys. And he is the author of either 13 or 14 books of the New Testament. It's 13 or 14 because people debate whether or not Paul wrote the book of Hebrews. But again, he wrote a large chunk of the New Testament. Barnabas, on the other hand, is not as well known, but it is important to know that he was a key leader in the early church. In fact, one early church father said that Barnabas was one of the 70 that Jesus sent out on one of the missionary journeys. Now, we don't know if that's true or not, but the fact that you had early church fathers speculating that Barnabas played that role kind of gives you an idea of the importance he held in the early church. Uh, in Acts chapter 4, he's called the son of encouragement. Uh, he sold a piece of property and gave the money to the church. In Acts chapter 9, we read that after Paul's conversion, again, Paul went from a persecutor of the church to a promoter of the church and faith in Jesus. And after his conversion, Paul, uh, or Barnabas, convinced the apostles in Jerusalem to meet with Paul, because he had a pretty shady reputation. Um, after the Gentiles believed in a city called Antioch, Barnabas was sent from Jerusalem to go to Antioch um, to confirm their faith, which he does. Then Barnabas travels all the way to Tarsus and brings Paul back to Antioch, and they become key leaders of the church there. Antioch is the city where followers of Jesus were first called Christians. And it is from Antioch that Paul and Barnabas are sent um, on their different missionary journeys that we read about in the book of Acts. In essence, Barnabas made it possible for Paul to become a leader in the church. And while he was lesser known, he was instrumental in Paul's connection to both the church and the ministry. And from a human point of view, without Bar Barnabas, Paul probably doesn't play the role that he ends up playing in the history of the church. Now again, could God found another way to get him involved? Yes, but from a human point of view, Barnabas was key in that role. Both of these men were men of fierce faith. 
And one of the observations I want us to make this morning is that fierce faith is potent. It's potent. Faith in Jesus empowers people to do incredible things. We read in verses 8 through 10 that in Lystra, there sat a man who was lame, and he had been that way from birth and had never walked. And he listened to Paul as he was speaking, and Paul looked directly at him, saw that he had faith to be healed, and called out, Stand up on your feet. At that, the man jumped up and began to walk. Now, I'm not entirely sure how miraculous healing works. I know that God has the power to heal. I know there's an element of faith involved in healing. But what Paul saw to conclude that this man had the faith to be healed, that I don't know. But I can very clearly see from the passage that Paul does something amazing because of his faith in Jesus. And then later in the passage, verse 21, it says that they, Paul and Barnabas, preached the gospel in that city and won a large number of disciples. And then they returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch. And as a pastor, I find this equally as impressive, that Paul and Barnabas preach, and a large number of people become disciples. Disciples, people who not just believed, but changed how they lived because of their faith in Jesus. Faith in Jesus isn't just saying, I believe, but we live differently because of our faith. And whether it was through healing or preaching, Paul and Barnabas, they had fierce faith. And they made an impact on everyone they encountered. That's what fierce faith does. It makes an impact. And we live in a culture where faith really doesn't have much value. It continues to diminish in value. Sure, we'll, we will hear a lot about having faith in ourselves, to believe in ourselves. But faith in something bigger than us, that's becoming more and more rare. And faith in Jesus? Well, our culture, quite frankly, doesn't think much about faith in Jesus. And so it's fair to ask the question, does faith in Jesus matter? Does faith in Jesus make a difference? Well, I would say, why don't you ask the people who were impacted by Mother Teresa? or the people who were impacted by Billy Graham, or the people who were impacted by Martin Luther King Jr., or Dietrich Bonhoeffer, or Frederick Douglass, or William Wilberforce, or Elizabeth Fry. Why don't you ask those people? You see, whether it's the abolishment of slavery, or advocating civil rights, or improving the conditions of prisons, or the conditions of hospitals, or looking out for the sick, or for the orphans, or for the hungry, or for the homeless, people of faith in Jesus have always been and will continue to be on the front lines. People of faith in Jesus have always been and will continue to be on the front lines. Does faith in Jesus matter? Now, some of the names I mentioned, you may have never even heard of. And here's another name that you may not know. How many have ever heard of Maximilian Kolbe? Raise your hand. Maximilian Kolbe. Okay, one person in the first service. I'm not seeing any hands this service. Okay, that's all right. Maximilian Kolbe was a Franciscan friar from Poland. And he lived during World War II. 
1939, Poland was overrun by the Nazis. And Colby's monastery hid, fed, and clothed over 3,000 Polish refugees, over 2,000 of which were Jews. And in 1941, Colby was arrested by the Gestapo for hiding Jewish people. And he eventually ended up in Auschwitz, the infamous concentration camp. And a couple of months after he arrived there, some prisoners escaped. And so as a punishment to kind of make a statement to the rest of the prisoners, the Nazis randomly picked 10 men. And those 10 men they picked, they picked to starve to death. So they randomly picked 10 men and said, we're taking you underground and you are all going to starve to death. And one of the 10 men chosen was Franciszek Gajalczyk, which I'm only going to say Franciszek because I can barely get that out right. But he was one of the 10 men chosen. And when he was chosen to be one of the 10 to starve to death, he cried out about his wife and his children. And when Maximilian Kolbe heard him cry out, Maximilian said, I'll take his place. And the Nazis allowed him to take Franciszek's place. And Maximilian Kolbe died a few weeks later, staying strong in his faith to the end. And Franciszek survived and lived to be 93. And his whole life, he told people about the gift of life given by Maximilian. Faith in Jesus did not only matter to Maximilian, it mattered to Franciszek Gajosniak. Faith in Jesus matters. And even though our culture values it less and less, they need it more and more. They need more people to be followers of Jesus. Faith in Jesus matters. It makes all the difference. And fierce faith, it also passes through barriers. In the book of Acts, I don't know, how, you could read the book of Acts many, many times, and you may not necessarily notice this. But in the book of Acts, whenever Paul goes into a city, whether it's Paul and Barnabas or just Paul, he will almost always, usually the first thing he'll do when he gets into a city, is he will visit a local synagogue. If there's a synagogue in that city, that's where he goes first. And you see this in Acts chapter 9, 13, 14, 17, 18, 19. It's all over the place. And the reason he goes there is because, well, that's where the Jewish people are. They're in the synagogue. And Paul is proclaiming the good news about Jesus. Jesus the Messiah. The Jewish Messiah. So he almost always goes to a synagogue. But I say almost always because the story that Logan read earlier where he goes into this town called Lystra, you may have noticed 
that there is no mention of Paul going into a synagogue. These aren't Jewish people that he's interacting with in this story. He heals a man, and then look at the reaction he gets, where it says in verses 11 to 13, when the crowd saw what Paul had done, they shouted in the Lyconian language, the gods have come down to us in human form, and Barnabas they called Zeus, and Paul they called Hermes, because he was the chief speaker. And so the priest of Zeus, whose temple was just outside the city, brought bowls and wreaths to the city gates because he and the crowd wanted to offer sacrifices to them. Look, these are not Jewish people doing this. These are Greeks, Gentiles, who have little interest in a Jewish Messiah. They assumed that Paul and Barnabas were Greek gods. But you see, fierce faith, it passes through barriers. They may not have given at all one care about a Jewish Messiah, but everyone is open to the message of forgiveness, second chances, and the fact that God is for them, not against them. As Paul and Barnabas said in verses 15 and 17, they say, friends, why are you doing this? We too are only human like you. We are bringing you good news, telling you to turn from these worthless things to the living God who made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. In the past, he let all nations go their own way. Yet he has not left himself without testimony. He has shown kindness by giving you rain from heaven and crops in their seasons. He provides you with plenty of food and fills your heart with joy. Look, the things that separate us don't matter when it comes to the good news. Whether you're Republican or Democrat, conservative or liberal, pro-Trump, anti-Trump, rich or poor, you have a PhD or a high school diploma, blue collar, white collar. It doesn't matter what language you speak or the color of your skin or what country you were born in. The gospel message, the message of forgiveness of sins, the message of a second chance to be who God created you to be, the message that God is for you and not against you. We believe all of this because of Jesus the Messiah, Jesus the Christ, who died for your sins so that you may have eternal life. That's good news, no matter who you are. And brothers and sisters, there's a lot of barriers today. And sometimes it seems like the things that divide us as a country outweigh the things that unite us as a country. But when it comes to faith in Jesus, none of that matters. Fierce faith passes through barriers. It's good news for everybody. And fierce faith, it perseveres. It perseveres. One of my favorite moments from Paul and Barnabas is the following passage, verses 19 and 20. Then some Jews came from Antioch and Iconium and won the crowd over. They stoned Paul and dragged him outside the city, thinking he was dead. But after the disciples had gathered around him, he got up and went back into the city. Are you kidding me? What is wrong with you? You have some serious problems, Paul. Barnabas, the Jews come from a nearby city to cause all sorts of problems. 
They have Paul stoned. They dragged them outside the city because they thought they killed them. The disciples, probably in all likelihood led by Barnabas, gather around him, and then he gets up and they go back into the city. Now that's chutzpah. That's having guts. That's determination. Or some of us may be thinking, that's just stupid. What's wrong with you? Okay? But look, fierce faith perseveres. And if we want to believe in Jesus, and if we want to follow Jesus, and if we want to take a stand for Jesus, and we want to take up his cause, and to make an impact, like so many others have before us, and to pass through all these barriers that are being built up around us all over the place, well, then we got to be ready to buckle up because this is not an easy ride. Following Jesus is not easy. It requires fierce faith. You know, I was watching the movie Miracle with my son the other day, and that's um, a movie, if you haven't seen it, if you don't remember it, it's about the 1980 U.S. men's Olympic hockey team, which is a team that pulled off one of the greatest Olympic upsets in history when they beat uh, the Soviet Union hockey team. And there's a scene in the movie where the coach, whose name was Herb Brooks, um, he's making cuts, it's tryouts, determining who's going to make the team, who's not going to make the team. And so they're making cuts, and they bring all the players who tried out, and they announce all the players who made the team. And, if, and so everyone who didn't hear their name called didn't make the team, and so they get up and they're leaving. And as they are leaving, they're dismissed, um, the coach starts talking to the players who made the team. And he points out the ones who are leaving, and he says, look at those who are leaving. They are getting off easy. You see, it wasn't easy to play for the U.S. Olympic hockey team. But it was a great experience. And sometimes to persuade people to believe in Jesus, we only tell them all the good stuff. You know, we tell them about all the benefits about following Jesus and how great it is. And it is. It's great. There is no better way to live. But there's a cost. There's a cost to following Jesus. In fact, Jesus even talks about it in many different places, one of which is in John chapter 16, where he says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. It's not easy following Jesus, but there is no better experience, no better way to live both in this life and in the life to come. Easy it's not. And we're going to have to persevere. And it's going to take fierce faith. But Jesus changes lives. Jesus alters destinies. And Jesus can transform our family, our friends, our community. And he is calling us to share the good news of forgiveness in him to share that he is the God of second chances, that he is for us, not against us, and he wants us to share it with everyone we come into contact with by what we say and by what we do. And it's going to take fierce faith. But look, fierce faith doesn't have to happen all at once. 
We don't have to become Paul and Barnabas overnight. They surely didn't become the men of faith that they were overnight. But fierce faith can happen one opportunity at a time. So where do you have an opportunity to demonstrate fierce faith? Maybe with a friend or a family member or a co-worker, but someone in your life, where and with whom do you have an opportunity to demonstrate fierce faith? Please pray with me. Lord, we again thank you for the faith of people like Paul and Barnabas and for all the men and women throughout the centuries who, because of faith in you, have done amazing things and have impacted so many. And Lord, I ask that you would give us that vision, that you would help us see how you want to use us to make an impact on our families, on our friends, on our world. And I would ask that you would encourage us, instill in us the faith to make most of the opportunities that you give us even this week. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. And receive God's blessing. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.